Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. I want to talk to you this morning for just a few moments about how to address the mess. How to address the mess. Now, I'm a little apprehensive because I realize that I'm speaking to experts. The experts I'm referring to are you, wives, and mothers. Husbands and children are experts at making a mess, at ignoring a mess, at making a mess worse. Can I get an amen from any of the sisters? Just a few? You are the real experts on how to address a mess. And I've watched you in action. I've watched how you address a mess. And basically, you start off with a question. You know what the question is. Who made this mess? Now, you don't ask that question because you don't know the answer. You ask that question to give the culprits a chance to confess. And when you've addressed the question, then you move on to a statement. And that statement is this. Somebody has to clean up this mess. Now let me tell you something. If you are a father or a husband, or anybody lives in a house with a mother, you don't look around like you don't know who she's talking about. If she says somebody has to clean up this mess, she's not talking about herself. She's talking about you. Now, she may end up cleaning up the mess, but it has been my unpleasant experience that when I let my wife clean up the mess, uh, it's unpleasant for me later. (laughs) This morning, we're going to talk about a much bigger mess. Um, We're going to talk about addressing what you could call a cosmic mess. You could call it a personal mess. But it is a mess that every single one of us needs to address. And how this mess comes to be and how it gets fixed is found in this one chapter of Scripture, Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Would you please stand with me? Honor of our Lord and His Word. Let's begin reading Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. This is the Word of God to your soul. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, 
I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your, should, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. And toil shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden. The flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need you to speak to us this morning. I know that um, I'm delivering a message, and I believe it's a message that you have given me to speak to the people that are here today. But Lord, they need to hear from somebody besides just me. They need to hear from you. They need to hear you speak to their hearts. And so in some way, I want you to hide me behind the cross that people will hear the voice of the Savior speaking to them and calling them, showing them, Lord, the mess that we've made, but more importantly, showing them how that mess can get cleaned up. Lord, I pray for you to do this, and I believe that you'll do this. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 1961, the year I was born, In 1961, something wonderful happened. Vic Mills is a chemical engineer with the Procter & Gamble Corporation. He really is a genius. Vic Mills is responsible for developing Jif peanut butter. He's responsible for uh, developing Duncan Hines cake mix. He's also responsible for developing Pringles potato chips. Ha, but that's not his greatest accomplishment. You see, in 1961, Vic Mills invents Pampers, disposable diapers. Today, do you know that 81% of hospitals, 94% of parents, 
rely solely on disposable diapers. Now, being a father who did give cloth diapers a chance, I can tell you that man deserves a Nobel Prize. Researchers are always looking for ways to make it easier to clean up the mess. But they can't seem to figure out how to clean up the biggest mess. Can't seem to figure out how to address the biggest mess, which is the mess of this world. If you've got eyes in your head, you've got a brain to think with, you've got a heart that can be broken, you know it's true. This world is a mess. But not only is this world a mess, you and I are a mess. You and I are a mess that you can't always figure out how you got into it. We and I are a mess that we can't always figure out how to get out of it. How do you address this mess? Well, in this passage of Scripture, God gives us the answer to that question. Like an expert, he begins with the same question. Who made this mess? Now, everybody here remembers that when God created the world, he created it perfectly. In Genesis 1.31, it says God saw everything that he'd made, and indeed it was very good. That means it was perfect. There was no mess. There was just clean, orderly, beautiful goodness as far as the eye could see. But in the chapter I just read to you, the mess begins. Satan shows up in the form of a serpent. He tempts Eve to eat from the forbidden tree. Eve and Adam give in to temptation. Everything is downhill from then on out. After they start this mess, they slap on some primitive camouflage. Verse 7 says they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings. They went out in the woods. They made coverings out of leaves to hide themselves in the forest. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. What are they doing? They refuse to address the mess. They're trying to hide from it. And when God shows up, he does, takes a different approach. Calls out to Adam. He says, where are you? Ask him, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you that you should not eat? Let's summarize all that one little statement. Who made this mess? Who made this mess? Now, God does not ask that question because he doesn't know the answer. He's giving the culprits a chance to confess. But they blow it. Adam blames Eve. Did you also notice he blames God? The woman. The woman that you gave me. She's the one that tempted me. She's the one that got me to eat from this fruit. And Eve blames the serpent. Nobody takes responsibility. That's the beginning of the mess that we call human history. Long, sad tale of deception and disobedience and death. And we're still trying to do the same thing that Adam and Eve did. We're trying to camouflage ourselves. We're trying to hide from our guilt. We're trying to hide from God. That's why our work has become toil. That's why marriage is so often a power struggle. It's why we still play the blame game. It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. It's society's fault. It's my boss's fault. That's why the world is in such a mess today. The Lord, the devil's still deceiving us. We're still disobeying. The scene is running 
and rerunning over and over again. But it all comes back down to this one question. Who made this mess? Many of us know what the correct answer is. The correct answer is not Adam and Eve made this mess. The correct answer is I made this mess. I made this mess. You made this mess. We made this mess. It's not just about Adam and Eve. You can't just blame it on the devil. It starts in Eden. But you and I are just as guilty. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Through one man's sin entered the world, that's Adam, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin, that little word all, has your name on it. All of us have sinned. All of us have disobeyed. That's the reason this world is in such a mess. It's because of sin. It's because of my sin. It's because of your sin. It's because of our sin. Many years ago, a newspaper editor, uh, in one of his editorials, asked a question, what's wrong with this world? What's wrong with this world? He invited people to write in and you know, give him an answer. What's wrong with this world? G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite authors, he wrote in. He said, sir, you asked what's wrong with this world. I am. I am. I am what's wrong with this world. You are what's wrong with this world. And the only way to address the mess is to answer God's question. Who made this mess? I did. You did. We did. Only whenever you are willing to confess can you begin to address the mess. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Confession simply means admitting, I made this mess. That's where you begin to address the mess, but you've got to go a little farther. Because God moves on past this question and he brings the statement. Somebody has to clean up this mess. There's a housewife that's end of her rope. She uh, got a lot of stuff going on. One day she gets a phone call. She answers the phone. There's a female voice on the other end. It says, how, how are you, darling? What kind of day are you having? And she says, oh, mother, I've had such a bad day. The baby won't eat. And the washing machine broke down. And I haven't had a... Sh- chance to go shopping. I've sprained my ankle. I'm hobbling all over the house. The house is a mess. I'm supposed to have two couples to come to dinner tonight. Oh, darling, sit down, relax. Close your eyes. I'll be over in half an hour. I'll do your shopping. I'll clean up your house. I'll cook your dinner for you. I'll feed the baby. I'll call a repairman. I'll do everything. I'll even call George at the office and tell him that he's got to come home and help out. George. Who's George? Why, George, your husband, isn't this 555-1373? No, it's 555-1375. Oh, I'm sorry, I have the wrong number. Does this mean you're not coming over? (laughs) Most moms know what a blessing it is to have somebody that can help you clean up the mess. Well, Adam and Eve are going to need a lot of help to clean up their mess, and that's what God does. The cleanup begins with atonement for their sin. Now remember, they try to cover their sin and themselves with leaves. God says that's not how you cover sin. 
In Genesis 3.21, it says, For Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin. Where does skin come from? Skin comes from dead animals. In other words, the only way to cover your sin is with blood. The death of an innocent sacrifice. Because of sin, death doesn't just infect Adam and Eve. It infects all of creation. For this mess to get cleaned up, somebody's got to die. But this cleanup also comes in the form of a promise. It's a promise made to the serpent, but it's not made to the serpent. It's spoken to the serpent, but it's actually a promise made to Adam and Eve in verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, everybody look up here for a second. You all know that this is not just another snake, right? It describes him as a serpent, but if you go throughout the rest of the Bible, it points back to the Garden of Eden and says, this is the devil. This is Satan. So whenever God makes this curse on the serpent, he's not just saying, listen, from now on snakes will be on the ground. He's saying something's going to happen to this serpent. But in the same way, this seed is not just another baby boy. The serpent is Satan. The seed is not just a son, but the son. He's the son of God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And at the cross, God fulfills this promise. How many of you have ever seen a movie called The Passion of the Christ? Raise your hand. You ever seen that movie? There's a scene at the beginning of it. It's a difficult movie to watch. Jesus is in the garden. You might remember this. He's in the garden and he's praying. And he finally comes to the point, as he does in Scripture, comes to the point where he accepts God's will. This is what's got to happen. And as he accepts God's will, the devil is there and he sends a snake slithering through the garden. Anybody remember what happens? That snake coming through the garden, Jesus stomps on its head, kills it. That's what happened in the garden. That's what happened on the cross. Jesus fulfilled that scripture. Because of their sin, God banishes Adam and Eve from Eden. But if you turn to the last chapter of the last book in the Bible, the Apostle John sees a pure river of water of life. And next to that river of life, there is a tree of life, like this tree where they were banished from. And in verse 3 of Revelation 22, it says, There shall be no more curse. You see what's happening? God is undoing everything that Adam and Eve made a mess of. He's cleaning up the mess. Somebody has to clean up this mess. And somebody is Jesus. One day he's going to clean up the mess of this world. What no politician, what no psychologist, what no sociologist, what no preacher, what no pope could do. He's going to clean up this mess. He's going to recreate it to make it the paradise that he originally intended it to be. 
But I want you to know more than that, he wants to clean up the mess of your life. He wants to clean up the mess of the guilt of your sin. To clean up the mess you've made by your disobedience. In fact, let me assure you, he is the only one that can clean up that mess. Who made this mess? You've got to come clean with God. I made this mess. You've got to admit that you made the mess. Somebody has to clean up this mess, and you've got to admit, I can't do it. I can't do it. You've tried many times, and every time you failed. But there is one. There is one that can clean up the mess. One Saturday morning, six-year-old Brandon decides to surprise his parents He's going to make them pancakes for breakfast. So he finds him a chair to step up on, and he climbs up into the cabinets, and he pulls out a big bowl, pulls out a big spoon, pulls out the heavy flour canister, starts scooping, reaches in, scoops the flour, and starts throwing it in the bowl. He Goes to the refrigerator, finds some eggs, and he starts cracking them, putting them in shell and all. Mixes in most of a cup of milk. The rest of it falls on the floor. Adds some sugar. By this time, Brandon is covered from head to foot in flour. The kitchen is covered with flour. The uh, kitten is lapping up the milk, a puddle of milk that's left. Brandon is looking around, and it's just a huge mess. And he wanted it to be so special. And he's thinking about what a mess he's made, and he looks up, and who do you see? think he sees? There's Daddy, standing in the doorway to the kitchen. He knows that Daddy's going to get on to him. He knows that he might even get a spanking. But you see, Brandon's dad is a very patient and very loving father. And he reaches down and scoops up his six-year-old, flour and all, hugs him close to him. And with a smile, he says, now let's get this mess cleaned up and I'll make you pancakes. This is how your heavenly father addresses your mess. It's how he's going to address the mess of this world. It's how he addresses the mess that you've made. Instead of scolding you, instead of punishing you, he sends Jesus to save you from your mess. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He came to clean up the mess. He came to clean up your mess. I wonder if there may be someone here this morning. You need to address the mess. You have made a mess and you have tried to ignore it. You've tried to avoid it. You tried to clean it up. You tried to fix it. You tried to make things right. But all you did was make the mess worse. And Jesus says, Bring me your mess. Don't try to clean it up yourself. Bring me your mess. 
Confess, admit that you made the mess, and believe that there's no mess too big for him to address. The invitation is, comes, comes from Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Would you bow your heads with me, please?